Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL. Tell a friend that their team, no matter what sport they love, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, college sports, and of course the NFL, their team is covered right here on the network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. We'll probably get in some tweets Thursday, that Twitter Thursday. So keep that in mind. If you want to shoot us some early before we send out the, the tweet asking for questions, feel free to do so at BD Peacock or at Williamson NFL or even both preferably. So both Matt and I see it. Matt, there is a little bit of news here, and it's Senior Bowl week, so we, we got to get going into this draft thing. So we should talk Senior Bowl. I know you wrote an article recently about the Senior Bowl and, and some important traits you're looking for at positions. So scouting 101, I think, has to start taking place here as we get into the offseason. But some news first, quickly, and of course, over the next two weeks, tons of stuff about the Super Bowl and the 49ers and the Chiefs. But some news, and I think an interesting one is Titans defensive coordinator Dean Pease had retired after 12 seasons in the NFL. 70 years old, such a great run for that Titans defense. I mean, that's going to be a big loss. I know they have Vrabel, and he's got input in the defense there, but I loved what I saw from Dean Pease and his ability to go up and, and stifle teams out of the gate multiple times in the playoffs Mahomes eventually got him and the Titans late, but they beat the Ravens. They beat the Patriots. A phenomenal run for the Titans defense. So Dean Pease will be missed, I think, for Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. And the last game aside, I mean, they were pretty much overrun by a great Chiefs offense that's been doing that to everyone and really is in their prime. We'll talk more Chiefs, of course, coming up here. But I think Pease is one of the more respected and looked up to defensive coordinators in the league, had a really good run. I didn't realize he was 70 until you said it. I knew he was older, but I didn't think he was that age. Um, it's hard on your body, though, man. I mean, I know some of these guys coach late in the life. I mean, well past 60 or well past ages that most people retire at whatever they do, and mostly because they just love it and they don't know how to live without it. But, man, I mean, the stress on your body, on your family, to be in an assistant coach, let alone a coordinator for all those years, is pretty harsh. I mean, it's just so many hours away from home. I don't know if he has kids, grandkids, whatever, but I would think he will exhale finally. And this is kind of a side note. I'm not sure he exactly belongs in this conversation, but, you know, Hall of Fame stuff's right around the corner. I always thought the Hall of Fame should have – a coordinator or assistant coach wing where they put like one guy in per year, you know, Jim Johnson, Dick LeBeau, those type guys, legendary head coaches, you know, Phillips, those type of guys. And I'm not sure Pease would be quite in that conversation, but it just kind of sprung to mind that, you know, have all the coaches in the league vote for one guy. It wouldn't even be like a media thing. Just put one assistant coach in a year. That's very, very respected. That's a fantastic idea. You mentioned Phillips. Wade Phillips is a free agent right now, and he's actually even yeah. older than Dean Pease, but he seems like one of those lifers. And I was blown away because the defense led the Rams this year. I don't know what the Rams are thinking, getting rid of, of Wade Phillips. I don't know what the deal is there. He didn't retire or anything like that. So do you see a home for Wade Phillips this year? Yeah, I'm curious. I'm more curious. I am actually wondering about that too. I mean, 
I'm sure his age doesn't help him. But what if you're a first-time head coach like McVay was and you want somebody just to handle that defensive side of the ball? And it brings me to this. I I was shocked to hear those rumors and then hear it go through because the defense was much better than the offense, especially once they got Jalen Ramsey. Um, they, They gave him the pieces he wanted. I thought the defense came through for the most part this year. But I wonder if McVay is just wanting total control now because I, I praised McVay for, okay, hire me and I will get a defensive coordinator and I won't touch that side of the ball. It's almost like we have two head coaches. You have your side of the ball, I have mine. And you can be a confidant, a consigliere because you're older than me and you've been around the league a lot longer. And is McVay just getting to the point now where, this is my team. I don't want to give half of it away. Or is there some kind of conflict between the two? Because, I mean, Phillip's track record is strong, and I didn't think the Rams were bad on D this year. Wade Phillips, 72 years old. Potentially, I mean, what about just plugging him in with Tennessee? Get a veteran DC in yeah, there. Right. Or, but I, I like the angle of having Wade Phillips. I think it's a perfect fit for him with a first-time head coach, an offensive guy. Then you have a head coach of the defense, and that's what he was in L.A. That is an absolute perfect fit in that kind of a situation for Wade Phillips. Uh, speaking of defensive coordinator news, the Browns, I would have thought, would fit that mold for Wade Phillips. And the first-time head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who's an offensive-minded mm-hmm. coach. But it sounds like the Browns are waiting for the 49ers to be done because they want to hire 49ers defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator Joe Woods, who did have a short run as a defensive coordinator already in the NFL. Okay. I mean, he's not someone I knew a lot about, but the fact that that job is still open really implied to me it's going to come from the Super Bowl teams. When you think defense, you would have obviously think Niners over uh, the Chiefs crew. And you're, you were interviewing Sala and have great respect, obviously, for that side of the ball to even make Sala a finalist. So that makes perfect sense to me. And it'd be a good opportunity for, you know, the, the new coordinator. And you said he'd been in the league before. Do you know any more about him in particular? Or, uh, I mean, I think coming from that organization is promising, though. Yeah, well, he was with the Broncos and the Broncos defense was really good when he was there. The 49ers secondary has been awesome this year and the 49ers made a big jump from having a collection of talent and and showing some signs last year to being one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. And and the addition there of Joe Woods, I think, was a big part of it. And they had uh, changed up the scheme from being straight cover three to showing a little bit more too high safety stuff, a little bit more man looks. So mixing it up a lot more, I think, under Joe Woods in the secondary too. So a really good coach. And I think if Robert Sala got hired... Joe Woods would have been the guy who would have gotten the promotion to be defensive coordinator for the 49ers. So if you're the Browns and you like Sala, you like the 49ers defense, that's the next closest thing you're probably going to get. That's a good point, too, that if Sala would have got the bump, he would have got the bump. So in a way, the Browns kind of got the best of both worlds in terms of Stefanski and Niner defense. You know, it's a little bit grayer and it's not the, the man you wanted, but at least you're in, you know, the same principles and those type of things. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how will that defensive, you know, personnel fit a? It's not a Seattle, you know, cover three, but that's their base. Um, you know, they don't have the defensive linemen that rival the Niners at all. But I'm sure Miles Garrett could play the Nick Bosa role. Those corners are a little more man coverage corners, you know, and. Um, not yeah. that the Niners don't play man, but they're not typical big, 
you know. Yeah, they don't have the the corner. length. Like Denzel Ward is the exact opposite of what you're looking for yeah. for a cover three corner. Even though you know, I mean, he's he's uh, he's potentially a lockdown type of corner and athlete. Right. So you'd want to play man coverage with him. And and I don't think Joe Woods is married to the cover three idea either. So maybe that's part of it. Is he's got some of that in his background, but he's played other schemes as well and coached other schemes. So I wonder what his exact scheme would look like. Probably something more that like what the Broncos were running a few years ago compared to what the 49ers run now. Okay. Okay. And that would make some sense. I mean, this just brings me to a different point though, because I witnessed this live in, in Cleveland. Like when Butch Davis was our head coach, we were a very strict four, three team They brought it from the U they always had great athletes. It was very simple. And then Romeo took over, and it was Patriot 3-4 all day long. We were looking for Will Forks and guys like that. But all these changes, man, I mean, it's just so hard. I mean, the, the last people loved Ward, who's a really good corner. But like you said, he's a smaller man coverage type guy. Even Jackson is not a tackler. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, their second-round pick last year from LSU so all these, it just, every time I see these scheme changes, coaches changes, there's such a ripple effect for, boy, we got to, you know, discard the scouting we did before, or the players on our team don't really fit the mold because we're bringing in a totally new scheme. Like all the work we did with Butch pretty much went out the window the second they hired Romeo. Like, what are we doing here? You know, like, it's just a waste of man hours. I was just looking at his bio quick. Note here on Joe Woods actually ties to Mike Tomlin and Minnesota Vikings where Kevin Stefanski's been his entire career. So there is some crossover with Stefanski and Joe Woods with Minnesota where Woods uh, was brought in in 2006 along with defensive coordinator Mike Tomlin. So some Steeler ties there as well with Joe Woods. He's been around and and coached with quite uh, quite a few teams and he was the defensive coordinator one year for the Broncos. That was 2017 and, and they were a great defense that year. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm going to have to do more homework on them, but just knowing that they were interested in Sala, Safansky's obviously familiar with them. Coming from the Niners, the fact that you mentioned he would have bumped up to become the Niners D coordinator, all those things on the surface sure sounds equates to a good hire to me. Some news here about Philip Rivers. He's made the the move east, at least taking his family east. Where will his football family be next year. I think that's an interesting topic for conversation. And what are you looking for in prospects in this senior bowl coming up? We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. For Brian Peacock, too, I might add. You can go to Calm.com slash locked on to get 40% off Calm Premium membership. LeBron James says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves like rain and leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. 
good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Philip Rivers has or is in the process of moving to Florida. And according to Jason Locke and Fora, there is a lot of buzz about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being a possible landing spot for Philip Rivers. How do you feel about Philip Rivers in Tampa? With Bruce Arians, the uh, mixed feelings. To be honest <laughs> with you, I mean that sounds worse than mixed. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got his huge family, moves him to Florida. Is he originally from Florida? I should know this. I don't. I mean, actually, I'll just throw this little nugget out there too. My first year at Pitt, we played NC State and Philip Rivers in our bowl game in Orlando in the Tangerine Bowl. Uh, we beat him. So, uh, I mean, he's from NC State. He went to NC State. I don't know if he's originally from Florida or not. But it sure implies that he's not going to be a Charger, I mean, with this move. And, you you know, pack up your whole family. And I think he said something like, this is – we're moving here for good. You know, like this is a, a done deal. It's something – I don't want to quote him exactly. But uh, let's talk box and Rivers. I guess your options are you could franchise Jameis – which is an awful lot of money for a turnover machine, but an inconsistent guy that still has somewhat of a ceiling. Do you want to invest in him in like a three-year deal, Winston? I mean, I could see why you've said, all right, enough's enough. I mean, yeah, he puts up fantasy numbers, but he just turns the ball over too much. Let's let him walk. I can understand that, and you get a nice comp pick in return when it happens. But if you're going to bring Rivers in, I mean – I think a change of scenery for Rivers is great. But on my Steelers show, we were talking about Rivers. And I this was like a month ago. And I couldn't come up with a team that I thought, boy, let's grab him, make him our starter, and go from there. I thought he might even be somebody that sat around on the waiver wire until camp, until somebody gets hurt in you know, preseason or something like that. So um, I don't know. I, I just thought he was pretty washed up. I, I do think getting away from the Chargers, not that they're toxic, but they're not a great organization. And with some kind of respectable offensive line in front of them could work out. And I think Rivers mentality and Arians mentality can work out, but he doesn't throw the ball well anymore. He puts the ball in harm's way an awful lot too. Um, I don't know exactly where the Bucks pick, but it's probably right there in the middle of the first round. I know it's somewhere in the middle of the first round. I would still be heavily in the quarterback market. I mean, I would be, hey, Philip, we're bringing you in to groom the next guy. I remember hearing stories about, and I was looking up where uh, Philip Rivers was raised. I remember hearing stories about him 
coming out of NC State that he was a really good safety in high school and like led his conference with interceptions, had like nine interceptions as a senior playing safety. And he's not the most athletic guy, but I, I bet he's pretty athletic when he was younger and, and compared to high school athletes and obviously very smart and knowing the passing game. And uh, Decatur, Alabama is where mm. Rivers was born. His father, head coach of Decatur's high school football team. So okay, there you I go. think they actually have a pretty good program from what I remember. Um, yeah, I, I remember back then, like Rivers, when we watched them and things, you didn't think of them as just a stiff in the pocket. And I know some people that know him well, and they often say he is way stronger than people realize too. Like in the weight room, you think of him as kind of a skinny, wiry, slow-footed guy. And he's not weak, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a better athlete than people think. I bet he was a good hooper or baseball player. If he wanted to be back in his day, it's hard to imagine him at that stage of his career or of his life though, 18, 19, 20 years old. And compared to where he is now, just from a movement standpoint, but he was not considered a stiff coming out in the draft. This would have a ripple effect, obviously on two teams. So the Buccaneers that we've talked about already, it makes sense if you're the Bucks and you move on from Winston to have a stopgap veteran starter. So you have a guy, maybe he's only a one year, you know, one and done quarterback for you in Phillip Rivers because you don't want to just draft a, a quarterback and throw him in there. So if you do get rid of Winston, I think it does make sense. And there's probably not a veteran quarterback that you're going to get in a stopgap mold to that would be better than Phillip Rivers, right? And I, I think it would be good for a young quarterback to be around Phillip Rivers and see that competitiveness and have to earn a job because you know Phillip Rivers isn't the kind of guy that's going to lay down and let a young guy win a starting quarterback job over him. So I guess that could make sense. I don't know if the the Arians' offense and Phillip Rivers is a perfect match, but there's some really good receivers there in uh, Tampa to help Rivers out. So I guess I could see that. And then of course San Diego, or I'm still calling him San Diego. Gosh dang it, the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> What does it mean for the Los Angeles Chargers? Where do you go if Phillip Rivers is now suddenly gone? Well, they have Tyrod still. I'm not sure if he's a free agent or not. I think he's still under contract, but would be hard to bring back. And I still think he could be a stopgap. They pick early enough that maybe they're in the Herbert or if Love has a good senior bowl. Um, I don't think Tua would be in the equation, but there's still more work to be done with him health-wise. Would they be in the market for a Winston or something like that? There has been rumors of Brady to the Chargers. I mean, this would be the beginning of a quarterback carousel, possibly. I mean, because I got to think Winston is still one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league and would start somewhere. That's interesting. Brady in L.A. I hadn't thought of that one for whatever reason. That's the one I keep hearing. Really? Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's a done deal, but... His house is for sale in New England, and if he doesn't return to the Pats, uh, the Chargers seem like a likely landing spot from what I've been told. And taking a quick peek here at the Draft Network's latest mock draft, this one from Joe Marino, who also hosts Locked on Bills. And by the way, all offseason long before the draft, we're going to have Mock Draft Mondays, and we'll be checking in with these mock drafts at the Draft Network. And we've got a nice relationship with those guys, and a lot of them on the network here. We've got Locked on NFL draft show and those guys both write for the draft network and also the draft dudes podcast so uh, a lot of crossover here with the locked on podcast network and the fine folks doing just the god's work over there at the draft network they've got every prospect even before the season starts they've got i mean i remember when you couldn't get you couldn't get really good 
scouting reports on prospects in the draft until you got a book in the mail, which was like three weeks before the draft was even coming. And even that information was late because you didn't have the accurate heights and weights from the senior bowl and the combine in those magazines and those draft books. And there was a few websites that would finally get updated by the time the draft was around. So the early information from the draft network is insane. They've already got tons of stuff there. So you got to check out the draftnetwork.com. But looking at Joe Marino's latest mock draft, he's got Justin Herbert, who is at the Senior Bowl this week, going to the Chargers at number six overall. Yeah, and and I can see that. I mean, guys, with he's very toolsy. Again, I'm still digging into these guys. I'm excited to watch some Senior Bowl coverage today. Um, you know, Herbert is a toolsy guy that, um, from what I understand, isn't a real big personality, kind of an introvert and a little bit of a Josh Allen tools, not matching production type of dude. But I mean, with a stopgap there or even a Brady or a Tyra, who knows? Um, I bet he ends up going in the top 10 when it's all said and done. And that's, that's kind of how this thing works. I mean, Daniel Jones this time of year, then we didn't think was going to be a top five pick, you know I mean? So um, I can certainly see that. I think Joe's what, well, I know Joe's way more on top of it than I am, but interesting. I mean, I, I could envision a quarterback carousel happening more than they usually do this year. This is a perfect segue into the senior bowl and what you look for in prospects, Matt. And I know you wrote a recent article about that. So let's get into some prospects, what you're looking for in prospects and talk a little senior bowl coming up. Matt, the Senior Bowl is a place where teams can fall in love with prospects. Last year, by the way, the 49ers going from Mobile, Alabama to Miami, Senior Bowl to Super Bowl last year, coaching the South squad. They fell in love with a wide receiver named Debo Samuel last year. And the New York Giants fell in love with a guy named Daniel Jones. Maybe it's the Chargers or another team falling in love with quarterback Justin Herbert this year. And you mentioned what Justin Herbert is, and I think there's just something a little bit missing in his play on the field, but what he has been is not a, not a rah-rah guy, but quiet and works really hard. He's gotten bigger every year, puts in the work behind the scenes. I think he's going to be a guy that teams like when they meet with him one-on-one, even though he's not, you know, more of an introverted type of quarterback. And obviously he fits the mold of height, weight, a really good arm. He's athletic. So, those types of prospects shoot up draft boards and he's already been considered a first round player for pretty much this entire draft process. So Justin Herbert is definitely a name to watch and and the number one prospect in Mobile, Alabama this week. We'll talk more about specific prospects, but Matt, uh, you wrote an article for, I believe it was a big blue view about what the traits are that you look for in prospects. Yeah, it actually was a eight part series that just finished today and it's, I mean, they're short articles. They're a thousand words each, give or take. And a couple paragraphs leading in and then three traits that I, I, I ranked one to three that I looked for in every position. You know, cornerbacks just came out today and, you know, pulling it up here, the, I, you know, I picked three different things with number one being feet. And one thing I really learned was I used the equation, much like Bill Walsh used to say about Montana, that. If I just watch his feet and nothing else, I can tell you if the ball's complete or not. Well, if I just watch cornerback feet, you can almost always tell, are they in phase? Are they balanced? How quick are their feet? Are they heavy-footed? They, can they play on the, the balls of their feet? How well do they flip their hips? You know, So 
footwork and light feet and quick feet are, you know, just one example that I thought is the most important trait for corners. But check that out. Check it out on my timeline at Williamson NFL, an eight-part series. I'm sure a lot of you guys will have questions. It'll be good for Twitter Thursdays and stuff like that going forward. But it, we wanted it to hit today, too, because it's Senior Bowl time. And everyone in the NFL is at the Senior Bowl. I'm jealous. I haven't been there for a while. I think I went four or five times. Obviously, the time with the Brown, the year I was with the Browns. But I used to be um, one of McShay's wingmen, too. And I used to write for ESPN early on in my time there. And we would write articles every day about practice. But it's a blast. I mean, the Senior Bowl is a good time. Um you know, there's there's kids giving out Reese bars left there. Reese peanut butter cups is, is more than you can believe. Uh, it's sometimes it's cold today. It's supposedly pretty cold. You sit in the stands and watch, but the practices are more important than the games. This might shock people, but most of the people, most of the scouts leave after the final practice. They don't stick around for the games. They just watch it on TV and then more importantly, watch the all 22. They're more invested in being there at the practices. And you kind of alluded to it, and I think this is true more and more, especially at the quarterback position, that coaching one of these squads is a huge advantage. I mean, Herbert's a perfect advantage. You know, Joe Marino puts him to the Chargers, and the Chargers are going to – he's not going to be a real raw, raw, extroverted guy, but they're going to spend so much time with him, see how people – um, surround him, how all they flock to him, his teammates treat him, what he's like in the quarterback meeting rooms, you know, that there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there. Probably have lunch with them, you know what I mean? Like real stuff. So the senior bowl is very, very valuable. Um, I do think it can be a little overrated in terms of, boy, this quarterback threw a lot of incompletions. Well, he's never worked with those, those, those wide receivers. And sometimes you'll have a guy get hurt on Wednesday or whatever, and they'll grab a standout from the Shrine game and throw him right in there, and he gets there and doesn't even have a jersey, and, boy, he didn't look so good. Well, what would you expect? You know, So I do think it's a lot to digest quickly for these guys, but the good scouts realize this is a tough environment to thrive, and if you do, great. You know, and some – a um, couple things I noticed too, like I was there when Jay Cutler was there and he was the biggest arm quarterback in that draft. And even being right outside the field, I mean, you could hear the ball spinning through the air, you know? And I remember when Sonoris Moss was there and I was young and thinking, wow, this guy's amazing. Well, and then an older scout's like, yeah, but nobody's hitting him. You know, he's the little dude that's just flying around <laughs> the field or Aaron Donald goes there boy, is he too little to deal with the big dogs and just kills everybody and solidifies himself as a top 10 pick. So, I mean, it's a very valuable tool. The meat market thing is always what's blown me away about both the combine and the senior bowl and dudes walking out in underwear and getting measured. And it's just the impact that I think seeing a person live can have on a scout or on a team. Sure. And imagine if you are you know, just a regular old scout and you're five, nine, 180 pounds and you meet a prospect and you shake his hand and you tower over this prospect. You're like, oh, man, this guy's smaller than me. This is this is not I'm not looking at an NFL player right now. And on the opposite side of that, when you see someone that looks like they're chiseled out of granite, walk up and get weighed in and they are the perfect height, weight, speed of everything you're looking for. And they might not even be able to play a lick and they might have, you know, might be the stiffest dude in the world. But just seeing that, I think, has a big impact on you. It's one of the most amazing things about uh, 
the the process that we go through and watching guys walk up and get weighed in underwear. It's still just something that it, it makes me borderline uncomfortable, but it's also really important because the, these physical traits and these teams are pumping millions of dollars into this. Another aspect of it that you can talk about is the most overrated part of all of these things is when you see a report of team X meets with player X. That's their job. <laughs> every team needs to know every player. That's the point of this whole process. You meet, yes. you you scout every single player, so it doesn't matter at all. It would be more news if Team X didn't meet with any, yes. you know, with, with yep. guys. That, that's what you're there to do. You want to get as close to them as possible. You set up visits at the combine, and then there's a an informal room you can go to and just chat with these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's different if you invite them to your building. I mean, that's different. You fly them in. That's newsworthy. But at these events where everyone in the world is at, that's what you're there to do. I mean, that's as much as evaluation as anything. Um, Back to the underwear Olympic thing. It is a little odd, you know, like you sit there and they bring guys out one by one, but I will say, and just knowing heights and weights, like if I look at them on this sheet of paper, and and I actually am. I the, the weigh-ins were yesterday. It tells you a, a fair amount, but not really. I mean, like, folks, I'm six three. I'm actually six oh two seven, which means six foot two <laughs> and seven eighths. At least that's what I was when the Browns when we were practicing. Um, so I'm like six three, two seventy-five. Like that sounds like a defensive end. Oh, trust yeah. me, I am not a defensive end. That's a first end. round draft pick right there. <laughs> right. Like that is, you know, you'd think, oh, that's a, a four-three end. That's an edge guy. That's a, you know, that's that's Bosa. I'm like, no, uh, that's not at all. What my, and my point is, body types are very different. Like, remember Flozell the hotel? Yes, yes, yes. Flozell mean, Adams. Yeah, yeah. One of my first camps with the Steelers, he was at the end of his career and in, in with the Steelers, and he's hanging out with all the offensive linemen. And on paper, he's listed like 6'7", 325, whatever. And maybe that's what he actually height and weight is. But he's bigger than everybody. <laughs> you know, like, it's deceiving. Where these guys put their weight, um, your strength coaches want to know that stuff. Can I shave off 10, 15 pounds? The Steelers drafted Le'Veon Bell, took 15 pounds off him, and he turned into a different player. So knowing these things is really important. I mean, if I walked up there in my underwear, trust me, it wouldn't, there would be uh, a lot of scary, scared folks in the audience. And <laughs> 6 3 275 doesn't translate. Real quick, Matt, we're out of time here. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite bar, best bar or restaurant in Mobile, Alabama? I should. It's been, dude, it's been 10 years since I've been there. And from all accounts, that it's a place that never changes. And it's definitely a fun time. Um, but I don't have one off the top of my head. I don't. I always love hearing the stories about what happens after. And, and you'll hear a story about, you know, this GM was out with and he was hanging out with this guy. And the when you get all of these people and all these teams in a small town, there's not a lot of options. So you're going to see people out everywhere. It's kind of like spring training in Arizona or Florida where you see uh, all these professionals and all these broadcasters. And I had I sat at a bar next to Rick Sutcliffe. Uh, one time it was just yeah, weird. Yeah. You're like, I never expected to see Rick Sutcliffe, but of course he's here, and of course he's just hanging out at the same bar I'm hanging out at. And so th- those kind of things are probably really cool about Mobile. They absolutely are. I'm a little more dialed in with the combine scene, and you would think it's bigger because Indianapolis is a huge town, obviously compared to Mobile, Alabama. But everyone kind of has a hotel near the convention center. Everyone's walking the streets. You see, I mean, I remember last year we were coming 
but they were between bar trips. So it was like one in the morning. And Andy Reid's in Steak and Shake, this house in a burger. <laughs> you know, like just exactly <laughs> like you'd think. Or Jerry Jones's bus is parked outside the same restaurant you are. You know, they have the, you always see the Dallas bus all over Indianapolis and Mobile too, but not quite as much. You know, it's not it's not as condensed. All right, we're out of time. Good stuff. More Senior Bowl coverage coming up. A lot more draft coverage coming up this off season, all the way through April, and of course. We've got two weeks to get into every angle of Super Bowl 54 right here, Locked On NFL.